say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts uh, that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it now you who are the body of christ and each one of you is a part of it and in the church god has appointed first of all apostles second prophets third teachers then workers of miracles also those having uh, gifts of healing those able to help others those with gifts of administration and those speaking in different kinds of tongues are all apostles Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I'll show you the most excellent way. There we have uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, this continues a a theme that's been developing through the year now and again. Not on every uh, single Sunday we've met, but on occasion now and again. We've been looking at life in the spirit. Um, and what it means to have life in the Spirit. And we've seen that that is the Christian life. The Christian life begins by virtue of the Holy Spirit of God coming and starting a good work uh, in our lives, in our hearts. That moment of faith that came uh, when we responded to the gospel and believed in Jesus came because the Holy Spirit was at work. That conviction of sin that even happens uh, after we got saved, uh, when the Holy Spirit wants to highlight something, that's his work as well, as he works to transform us. We've seen that our whole life is to be a life 
influenced by, affected by uh, the Spirit of God. We've, uh, some time ago now, we looked at Ephesians chapter 5 and, uh, and verse 18, which says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He talks there about being filled with the Spirit and our part to play in filling ourselves with His influence, having a life that's completely yielded to Him. And that sort of life will flow out. It will empower us. It will enable us in all sorts of ways. By the Spirit, will be, uh, it will affect our worship. It will result in songs. It will result in encouraging uh, one another. It will uh, affect marriages. It will affect relationships. It will affect family life and children and, and, and adults seeking to parent their children. It will affect, uh, as it's put there in Ephesians, uh, slaves and masters. It will affect us in the workplace. And it goes on in Ephesians chapter 6 to talk about spiritual warfare, the Spirit of God equipping us to stand firm in all sorts of different situations. Sometimes we can go through life and think, how? How can I take this next step? How? How can I be a godly husband? How can I be a godly wife? How can I raise my children? How can I live life in the workplace? How can I live in such a way that demonstrates the Spirit of, uh, of God? And we, it's, it's His influence in us, which ye, we yield to, seeking not to, uh, to grieve the Holy Spirit, um, but to honor Him and to welcome Him. And we saw last... Uh, last week, when we were looking at Galatians chapter five, we we focused there on the on the fruits of the spirit. What are described there? Characteristics. Um, really, they describe what Jesus is like, and we saw how the Holy Spirit wants to make us more like Jesus. He wants Christ to be formed in us. We considered that laws can't change the human heart. Laws can sometimes modify behaviour. Sometimes uh, law can uh, restrict us. It doesn't actually change us on the inside. And so God has sent the Holy Spirit uh, to do that work of bringing us to faith in Jesus. And then uh, we saw how it really works in progress. The Spirit of God making us more like Jesus. One area at a time. Maybe he's just putting his finger on a particular uh, characteristic or part of our life. And saying that's, that's the next area for us to make progress in. And he leads us on we looked at Romans chapter 8 verse 12 we saw that we are we're no longer obliged to the sinful nature the old me uh, was kind of enslaved by that nature enslaved by sinful desires if temptation came to me and said jump I would have jumped now maybe uh, and that was the case for all of us before coming into Christ Uh, that ruled over us and when sin says jump we said okay how high Maybe different ones of us may have jumped to a different height, but we all jumped. Couldn't resist that impulse just to sin. Now the Holy Spirit came into us, uh, saved us, and it's to him now that we have an obligation. We're not obligated to the sinful nature. When when temptation comes and says jump, curse, sin, lust, lose your temper, we say, I I'm no longer master. I don't have to do that now. I'm under new management. It's the Holy Spirit who is uh, taking up residence in my life, and I'm going to yield my life to him, and I'm going to become more like Jesus as a result. So receiving the Spirit in our lives is to affect all of us. Uh, it's not as though there's just um, there's a menu of options that we 
that we choose from, that we just pick one option. You go to a restaurant, you find the menu. Uh, in some, menu, some restaurants, it's like hundreds. They have to use numbers. I will have dish 174. In some, it will just be more limited. There will be a choice of 12, let's say. But still, it comes to it, and you chew on it for a while. You think, you consider, and then you decide, I'm going to just go for that. When we consider the ministry of the Holy Spirit, all that he is, all that he wants to do amongst his people, we're not saying, well, okay, which, which bit of the ministry of the Holy Spirit would I, would I like to receive? Um, well, I, I don't really want to be convicted of sin. I don't really want God to work on my character. I'll, but I, I'll have this bit over here. Make me bold, Lord. No, no we don't. We're not, sometimes we can be prone to thinking in, in kind of either-or terms. Um, as if we get, maybe that helps us feel that life is a bit more manageable. It's a bit more simple. It's this or that. Uh, it's red or blue. Uh, it's the it's the it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, or maybe it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Which which shall I go for? Which would I like? Um, that, well, I don't think we're supposed to think in those terms. We're a people of the Spirit, therefore. We want to bear fruit that the Spirit brings. And we're a people of the Spirit, therefore, we're going to consider the gifts that he brings amongst his people as well. I like the way that uh, Paul, summing up his letter in 2 Corinthians, has write the very final verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In, in fellowship, in relationship, in communion, in partnership, a life under new management where everything is affected, Lord, I want to be in fellowship with your Holy Spirit. It's because of the Holy Spirit I've, I, I came to believe the truth. He is the Spirit of truth. It's because of the Holy Spirit that I came to have life in Christ. He's the Spirit of life. Um, and he wants to bring about fruit, in our lives, like joy and peace and patience, love, of course, kindness and gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, of course, which is what we looked at this week. And amongst his people, he will distribute gifts as well. That's what we're going to look at uh, today, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, as we, as we consider spiritual gifts. Now, this is something that the church in Corinth must have asked Paul uh, about. Uh, back in chapter 7, Paul says, now for the matters you wrote about, and he goes on, and you kind of get that formula, now about something else, now about this, get to chapter 12, now about spiritual gifts. They've posed him some question about spiritual gifts. We don't know exactly what that was. Uh, but we could notice then that as Paul addresses the subject, he's not having to persuade them that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. He's not having to defend them. They're something which these believers are already familiar with. In fact, even at the very beginning of this letter, he says in chapter 1, verse 7, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Maybe even we could describe the Corinthian church as, as a gifted church. Um, but like so many things... In this particular church, uh, the gifts of the Spirit have been badly misunderstood as well. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be 
uh, uninformed. And so Paul is writing, I suppose, to answer their question, but also to, to correct them. He's, he's heard, he's got an understanding of something of what's gone on in the life of this church. So he writes to, to correct them. But note, on this subject, he's not saying, just stop. Maybe move on from those gifts of the Spirit. They're, it's causing confusion or chaos in some way. Just forget about them. Move on. Maybe they were helpful to start with, but now just move on in your, in your maturity. No, he, he still says, whilst he's correcting them, he'll, he's going to conclude this chapter saying, eagerly desire them. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. The temptation can be when something hasn't been done very well, when particularly when, when gifts in the Spirit haven't been exercised with godliness, with love, it's tempting to say, oh, let's just not bother. It's, te- it's tempting for the pendulum to swing too far. This can happen in, in our own life. The, the person who was raised in a very strict home, always being lovelessly corrected and punished severely. Oh, it wasn't done well, they could say. Well, they grow up, they become parents themselves. So that's it. Now, maybe this isn't such a conscious decision, but the, the pendulum can swing too far, and that child, having grown up, thinks, I'm, I'm not going to correct my children at all. I was, I was aware of how wrong it was done. It was done badly. Uh, and therefore, I'm just, they're just free to go. Make your own decisions. Train yourselves. I'll just be your mate. And maybe that's the way in which uh, we can kind of overreact to, to abuse. Oh, that's the, the, the place to live is in the place of, of valuing godly discipline, making sure, yeah, we're not going to exasperate our children. Now, I'm just using that as an illustration. The same things can happen in churches when it comes to uh, the gifts of the Spirit. There can just be awareness of how things haven't been done well. And then shy away from them completely. We're instructed, eagerly desire them, but there can be a number of fears that kind of squash that desire. There can just be the fear of association. I don't want to step out in the gifts of the Spirit or own a conviction that they are for today uh, because I, I don't want to be associated with wacky weirdos. I don't want to be associated where... I don't want people to think badly of me. I don't want people to think I don't care about good theology. Maybe it's that fear of association. Maybe it can be a fear of failure. We don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to get egg on our face. Just another variation on pride. You know, I can avoid falling off my bike by never getting on it. Or, having fallen off my bike, I can get back on and keep learning. Maybe take some instruction from people who have more experience. I went for a bike ride yesterday. And I haven't really done that much uh, for like 10 years. So I I still remember how to ride a bike. Um, But I got myself a little bit out out of my depth. I went over some trails and there are some, you know you're supposed to jump. That's the idea. You're supposed to jump and then land on the next hump on the track, on the trail. Well, there's me, like, with my saddle too high, kind of going up and down because I'm, I'm too nervous. I think, well, I might, I think, 
I just won't try that again. It was scary. I don't want to go there. I don't want to try that again. I can see some other people and they've got the proper kit. And they've done this many times. And uh, I don't want them to see my attempts to cycle down this little mountain biking trail. So that I'm, I'm going to jack it in. You know, we, can, we can think that's it. I'm going to avoid making a mistake by not doing it. By, by not... Make, uh, well... I want to encourage us to, to eagerly desire gifts. Maybe you felt there's been a time where you've stepped out in, in exercising a gift of the Spirit. I know that we're not looking at the specifics yet of what those gifts are, but you've stepped out in a specific of, the, of one of these different gifts of the Spirit in a public moment. Maybe it hasn't gone that badly, but your vulnerability in the moment, that sense of feeling a bit exposed has kind of made you shrivel up a little bit. I don't, I don't think I'm going to try that again. Oh bit nerve-wracking um, and 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 so we ditch it being a church of the spirit living life in the spirit being eager for these gifts of the spirit will mean we'll encourage one another I was reading uh, something from Simon Holly uh, in fact it's perhaps another guy quoting him Simon Holly leads a church in Bedford uh, and and has encouraged that church uh, in different gifts of the Spirit, and somebody shared a, a, a testimony. It wasn't about a church meeting moments, it was about life out there. And someone was, was, was sharing, if you like, a word of knowledge for somebody they, someone they knew or perhaps someone they didn't know that well. Um, and it didn't go well. Would you, would you like me to pray for you? And the person just says no. So this person who took that step is sharing it on a Sunday. So I just want to say this week, uh, I, uh, I tried to share a word of knowledge with someone and I offered to pray for them and they just said no. And everyone starts go, kind of cheering and hollering. Go, yeah, that's great. And, and like the, the, the new visitor to the church says, I, I don't really, what are you doing? Are you, are you celebrating failure? He says, no, no, no. And then he started to understand, no, not celebrating failure, we're celebrating courage. We're celebrating Faith, even though it didn't work out, even though I stumbled on that turn. So there can be these fears of failure. Sometimes there can be a preoccupation. When we when visiting a subject like this, our immediate question or our immediate thought is, what's my personal gift? What's my gift mix? Maybe the confident amongst us thinks, what's my profile? I'm bound to have more than one. Others amongst us what is my gift? Have I got one at all? I'm not really sure. And it's not unhelpful to be considering how do we discover? How do we find out what our own part to play might be? Got to bear in mind, actually, it can change through time. They may not be like a permanent possession. Huh, phew, I've got a gift. Now, now and forever, I will be that person who interprets a tongue, for example. They're not necessarily a permanent endowment. Sometimes it will change and vary through time. Maybe we'll get a chance to look at that. But there can be something unhelpful if we just become totally nervously preoccupied. And then it can feed all those insecurities still. Where, where do I fit? Do I fit? What's my part to play? Do I have a part to play? Someone else has got a different gift. Oh no, I couldn't possibly. I'm a hand and I'm not a foot or vice versa. And so we've got to be careful that by faith, we don't just drift into a preoccupation that's unhelpful. 
And that we see this as something that we grow in together as a body. That's what we considered when we were looking at the fruits of the Spirit last week. This is a community project. Well, gifts in the Spirit are a community project as well. And perhaps what helps us to be eagerly desiring them is to consider, which is probably where we'll focus today, what are the gifts of the Spirit for? Why should we eagerly desire them? You get into a chapter like this, and then you get into a subject like life in the Spirit, and there's just so much to consider. I would hope that we would come back to 1 Corinthians 12 at some point. Maybe we can go through it and look in more detail about all the different gifts of the Spirit, what they're about. For today, we're kind of just taking a broader view and considering what are the gifts of the Spirit for. If we're going to eagerly desire them, why should we? Well, firstly, the gifts of the Spirit are to glorify Jesus. They're to glorify Jesus. They're to put attention onto him and magnify his wonderful name. Uh, We see that in verse uh, 2 and 3. At the beginning of chapter 12 in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, commenting on their pagan past, uh, Paul says, You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Perhaps that even gives us a flavor of how drastically things have been going wrong in Corinth. This uh, very gifted church, but uh, perhaps even the fruit of those gifts has, has not been to glorify Jesus. But the Holy Spirit will seek to bring glory to Jesus. That's his desire. So no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I, I suppose somebody who doesn't believe can say it in mocking terms, oh, Jesus is Lord. And that's not influenced by, that's not come from the Spirit. But to, to say it and to really mean it, that can only come from the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit's desire is to draw attention to glorify Jesus. Jesus himself said in John chapter 15, And verse 26, speaking of the Spirit, when the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. As though the Holy Spirit coming into the community of believers say, let me just tell you about Jesus. Let me just remind you about him, says the Spirit of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't he awesome? This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to draw attention to Jesus, testify about Jesus in the same uh, gospel, in John's gospel, chapter 16, verse uh, 14, says there, He will bring glory to me, says Jesus. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. I have something for you, says the Spirit. It's from Jesus and it's for, it's for you. This is what the Holy Spirit loves to do. Like a, like a spotlight or even a floodlight draws attention. Spotlight draws attention to somebody on the stage. Floodlight draws attention to something kind of big and substantial on the landscape. You could walk around this building actually and if you look carefully, you can see some floodlights 
but they're actually easier to see when it's dark outside and we turn them on. You don't see the floodlight so much, you see the building, you see what they're pointed at. Um, and that's the ministry of the Spirit. I can remember being uh, in, in Muscat uh, with, with Tim and in the city that they're soon to, to move to. And just as we were driving through, just, uh, one particular feature was pointed out, actually a mosque that was, that was built, part of that uh, city. And it was glorious. The lights were turned on. And it was just so eye-catching, so, uh, so remarkable. You could see all the features um, of the building, and it was beautifully illuminated. What does the Holy Spirit want to do? What does he delight to do? He delights to, to illuminate the work of Jesus, to glorify his wonderful name, and to have us do the same. Now, maybe the Corinthians, from their pagan past, have become confused. They, they, previously, before they came to Christ, they were worshipping all sorts of different spirits. They were worshipping all sorts of different idols or unclean spirits. Uh, and now, and perhaps that's still affecting the way that they minister in the community. Now, Jesus is, uh, Paul is saying, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit for us, for many of us, for most of us. Uh, uh, I suppose for all of us, we would have, we've been idolizing something else before we came to Jesus. Um, our culture is a bit different. Maybe for us, in our culture, the challenge is not to idolize ourselves. We are encouraged to, uh, to pursue a very individualistic way of seeing the world. Fulfilling me uh, could be the motto um, in, in the Western world, and we can bring that in to church life. We can bring that into this consideration of spiritual gifts. And we can kind of think, this is about me fulfilling my potential and, and, and we're getting off track straight away. Uh, in, other, in other words, that sometimes a flip side of the same dynamic can mean actually we're just painfully self-conscious. Or even in a, in, a, in a moment when we're all together, we can kind of um and ah, dare I pray out, because I'm, I'm just really worried. But still, those, those fears uh, can kick in. I, I don't want to fail. I don't want to get this wrong. I don't want to think to, people to think that I'm too flaky. I don't want people to think that I'm too stiff. So what am I to do? Oh. And sometimes when we come into a moment of worship, corporate worship, some of us, maybe you can identify with this, not quite sure how you do it or what, uh, how it comes about, but you can kind of not just pick up your own feelings and worried thoughts. Somehow you kind of pick up other people's as well. And you sense, you know, whilst we're still kind of sorting out the technology and finding the microphones, you kind of just sense the, the prevailing mood this morning. And, uh, and then maybe out of that focus, sometimes we can, we can try and address one another. You're feeling this this morning. You've been struggling with that this week. When the circumstances are really bleak. And whilst that might not... Maybe that's accurate. Maybe you are picking up where people are at what they're feeling. But you know, you know when you've got some loose change and you go, uh, you're just on your way out of the supermarket and you can, you can kind of give to a charitable cause... Uh, there are those ones, our children particularly like these, there's like a dome top perspex so you can see through and underneath there's like a funnel and you put your coin in the side 
And it goes around this big funnel. And to start with, it's kind of going quite wide. And then momentum develops, and it's, coming, it's heading towards this hole in the middle when it will drop into the kind of box below. And it's, so it gathers speed, and then it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter, right in the middle, drop. And sometimes uh, there can be, dare I say, not today, um, kind of moments when the, when, the, when the community gathers together, we kind of sense maybe where one another is at, this dreadful week that we've all had, um, and then kind of maybe we're trying to speak into that. But really, we're just still focusing on, on self. How are we all doing this morning? Oh, and, and before we know it, we kind of oh, just landed. Oh, great. By the Spirit of God, it works the other way. Not when we consider self, but when we consider Him. When we consider Jesus. What does the Spirit want to do? He wants to draw our attention to Jesus. You will say, isn't he wonderful? So in those moments, maybe it's best, let's, let's not have gifts of the Spirit straight away. Let's worship him. Let's, let's consider him. Let's speak to one another, one another with scripture. Let's, let's just, even if it's the case, let's just put to one side the nebulous circumstances that we've all been living through in the week. We don't even need to say them. We're going to speak about him. We're going to lift our sights to him. We're going to glorify him. And then you think, actually, the momentum works the other way. And we're being lifted. Our faith is being stirred in who he is. And then, into that scenario, whether someone's praying out or speaking in a, a, in a tongue or, or bringing prophecy, it's... It's having this positive effect where we were worshipping him, we were fixed on him, and now, as these different uh, contributions have come, it's just kicking us on further to behold him. We're being strengthened, we're being uh, built up. The funnel isn't taking us down, rather we're, we're focused on him and we're being drawn up, glorifying Jesus. That means if we are considering stepping out in something, oh, what have I got? What am I feeling? What am I sensing? Those, I don't mean to kind of rubbish those questions entirely or those considerations. But let's, let's keep focused on Jesus. Let's keep focused on him. Let's lift our gaze to the one who sits on the throne of heaven and who's with us by the Spirit. Okay. Secondly, <laughs> the gifts, what, are the, what are the gifts of the Spirit for? Very broadly, well, I believe that they are demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit show God's generosity. They show God's grace. They are gifts, which means that they are not earned like a, wor- a wage. Uh, they're not like a, uh, a, a merit mark. They're, they're not a, a, a reward for good behavior. They are gifts from God. And those gifts don't show the world how wonderful we are. So on your birthday, if you receive gifts, the gifts don't reflect on what a wonderful person you are. The gifts reflect on the generosity of the people that you know and the people that love you. And, uh, and some, maybe sometimes in some families, I, I hope everyone has some kind of experience of this, but maybe it's not the case. 
In some families, there's that person, or maybe in some friendship groups, there's that person who's just ridiculously, almost like embarrassingly generous. Have you ever had one of those awkward moments when you've been on the receiving end of a gift or of gifts that are so lavish, or there's just so many of them? You think, my my goodness, they're still going, they're still giving. There's that, that relative who's gone overboard, just wants to show their love. The Spirit gives an incredible, not, not only is his ministry so incredibly rich and diverse, even if we just consider the gifts that he gives, they are, they're just lavish. He's gone overboard and he's, there's different kinds of gifts. There's loads of different kinds of gifts. And what's the Spirit of God doing? Giving them, apportioning them, distributing them, spreading them all around. We see that again in, uh, in Romans uh, chapter 12. You see, there's a few places where we find different uh, lists of different gifts. Uh, And again, you get the sense that none of them are exhaustive. It's just like a few selected gifts fit for the moment uh, that Paul mentions. And in Romans chapter 12, um, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. And he speaks there about... Uh, prophecy and serving and teaching and encouraging and contributing to the needs of others and leadership and showing mercy and so on and so on. So these a rich, diverse number of gifts that can't just be neatly contained on one list. Paul's point is they've all been given uh, uh, by the Spirit. There's huge variety, but they've all come from the same source, the same person, the Holy Spirit. Maybe for the Corinthians in their pagan past, worshipping lots of different idols, they've thought of spiritual gifts as like a competition. Like my gift is better than yours. My gift is more important. I think the Corinthians would think it was tongues. I think they would think, for those who have the gift of tongues... Maybe the Corinthian would say, I don't mean to brag, but I'm already speaking the language of heaven. I know that you don't get it. You haven't quite been initiated into this. And maybe for you, you'll just have to wait till glory. For me, I'm already there. And <laughs> perhaps that's why. Perhaps that's why when Paul does kind of put an order, he puts tongues right at the end of the list. He said, look, look at all of them. Look at the rich variety. What, we're, what we tend to do, and some of us can't help doing this, is kind of what we want to put them into categories. We want to kind of say, well, there's ordinary gifts and there's supernatural gifts. Uh, even in saying that, there's a temptation. Paul just says, look, there's a huge variety of gifts. What can strike us straight away is that some of them might seem more supernatural, might seem more miraculous. Well, Paul's saying, look, on this journey we've gone through of planting churches and seeing people filled with the Holy Spirit, just we've discovered all these different examples of the Holy Spirit being evident amongst his people. They're all ways in which it becomes clear the Spirit of God is at work. And for us, maybe it's just good to remember 
the gifts themselves are showing the generosity of God. How prone we are to think of God as lacking in generosity. It's a crime, really, to think in those terms. But we can drift in that direction, can't we? We can drift to thinking, perhaps maybe one day, on a good day, God might kind of like just parcel up a tiny portion for somebody. Who will it be? Who's going to get the one tiny parcel today? Oh, it wasn't my... Like, pass the parcel, you're just watching it go round, watching it go round, watching it go round. Oh, it's always someone else's turn. No, it's, not, it's not like that with God. Let's remember his generosity. Let's remember a passage that we looked at some time ago in Luke uh, chapter 11. Not speaking of, of these spiritual gifts per se in a focused way, but just reminding us what God is like. Luke 11, verse 11 Uh, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your father, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What an incredibly wonderful, glorious gift the Holy Spirit is to us. And what gifts he gives. Finally, for now anyway... What are the gifts of the Spirit for? They're for for the whole body. They're for the good of the whole body. Paul's point here is everybody who is part of the body of Christ has a part to play and has gifts distributed to them. And these gifts are not just, they're not toys. We might think of it as a gift, unwrap it, and it's a bit of Lego. Well, fantastic, but uh, they're not gifts. They're not toys that are distracting for a moment, entertaining for a Saturday afternoon, but not really substantial, not really that helpful, not really there to really equip you in life. It's just a little place to escape. I'll go and play with the toys. No, the spirit, spiritual gifts aren't, aren't toys. They are tools. Necessary given for the common good, the church may be built up. So imagine kind of forming a big long line. Say, right, I'm eagerly designed gifts of the Spirit. God, what do you want? What, which one do you want me to exercise? And he gives you a trowel. And he gives somebody else a spirit level. And he gives someone else a power drill. Oh, I wanted a power drill. Well, a power drill is great, but it needs to be used in conjunction with something else. Like if you've got a job to do at home, on your house, even if it's just putting up a picture on the wall. You need more than one tool. And often you see that in the scripture. You see they work in combination. So there's a place, uh, Antioch, and Agabus comes there. And he's a recognized prophet. I guess that means he's used the gift of prophecy. And he's recognized uh, as, as, uh, as, uh, as such. Predicts something that's going to happen. There's going to be a famine. What does it do? It just prompts other gifts. And uh, it, you then have this church where the gift of generosity is starting to to blossom. Used in combination. So tongues, very edifying, if it's coupled with interpretation. Or there you see prophecy, what what flows out from it? Other, Other gifts of faith or generosity. And everyone is involved. Paul uses the imagery of a body with many, mem- many members. 
he tackles two negative attitudes, which I'll just mention and we'll probably wrap up soon. He says, again, any church community has to do battle with these ways of thinking. Well, probably every believer in every church will have to do battle with these attitudes. Number one is, I don't belong. I don't fit in. I don't have a part to play. I don't have a gift. Or if I have a gift, it's not that significant. Dan's only mentioned tongues and prophecy a few times. He's not mentioned teaching. He's not mentioned administration. So I guess I don't fit in. I don't belong. This passage in the Bible is here to help you do battle with that way of thinking. To help us to see we're a body. Even if you do observe a mature and developed gift in somebody else, they work in combination. They work in community. Be persuaded from the scripture of what the Holy Spirit is doing and wants to do amongst us. The other attitude that we'll need to do battle with is I don't need you. It's the flip side. I don't need you. I've got it nailed. In gifts or understanding. And I'd encourage you from the scripture come and come and do battle here. Don't fight that you don't fight the battle the wrong way. The the if you might be prone to thinking I don't belong. The goal is not to reach some point where you can say, I don't need you. And if you might be prone sometimes to think, I don't need you. The goal is not to reach the other side and say, I don't belong. (laughs) We are a body. God has arranged us. God has combined us. God gives honor to the parts that lack it so that we should have an equal concern for each other. How do we eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit? Why do we eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit? Perhaps I should add the question, do we eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit? Assuming that we do, what's going to help us? Now there may be some specifics to pick up at some point, but for now, glorify Jesus, Worship him, make much of him, delight yourself in him, extol him. Believe in the generosity of God. Maybe eagerly desiring is that thing which can feel really impolite. You have gifts, so I'm asking for them. Now note then, you could just assume I'm asking for myself. Maybe I'm asking for you. Maybe my eager desire for the gifts of the Spirit means I'm going to say, what are you giving? What are you doing? What are you at work? Maybe then in that part, I have a part to play, and the gift that I'm seeking is the gift of encouragement. Lord, I want to encourage some people. Not what have you got for me? What have you got for me? I've got to kind of hoard the gifts. I've chalked up another one, people. (laughs) Got it on my CV. Tongues and interpretation. Make a big step. No, no, it's but what have you got for us, Lord? What do we see in one another? What do we want to encourage? What do we honor in one another? Honoring the gift of administration and prophecy. 
honoring leadership or those who those who are leading the gift of helping I believe the Lord will say what honor that's that is special contributing to the needs of others wow the gift of giving that nothing gets kind of squashed and put to one side but everything is valued and as we eagerly eagerly desire it in prayer eagerly, eagerly desire it by by fasting eagerly desire it as we encourage one another i'd better come into land in jesus name Amen.